0: everyone, welcome to Bookswad Goals. Hello. We've got here with us today the normal crew, Kelly, Mary, Susan, and Emily. Sadly, no Charlie. No, my dad's not back. If you missed that, then you should go back and listen to the Pet Cemetery episode featuring my dad. He was great. I mean, like I joined a cult after he left. And then did you have to call him?
1: He was gone. He has gone. Well I'm kidding. Come I back. It sounds like too much work.
0: I have two questions before we get into today's episode. The first one is just a feminist question because I've been reading a lot of articles about how women need to stop calling each other girl. Ooh. And I thought some of us might have opinions on that because I definitely call women I call my female friends girl a lot. I do too. Yeah, me too. Um mm-hmm. is
1: that something we should not do? I think it's partially contextual Mm -hmm. because this isn't something I do a lot. Not that I like necessarily have a deep seated problem with it. I just, it's just not the way I talk. Um, Yeah. And like,
0: that's true. You don't girl. you don't
1: like if one of you guys called me girl, I wouldn't care. I would think it was endearing. Like, Oh, we're just joking around, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times older women in, pub i say older like women in public will call me girl and i'm like you don't know me yeah like we don't have that kind of relationship
2: yeah of
1: casualness
0: i guess it's just sort of like um compared to men who call each other man yeah uh and it's just kind of weird like i always think it's weird because like guys do it all the time and they do it to people they don't know that well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They'll be like, "Hey, hey man, how's it go? like what can I get you, man?" Or so like, you know. And like I always find it weird when men call each other man because it's like it's like it just seems super macho like I'm acknowledging that you're a dude and I'm a dude
1: I'm and a we're, dude, we're you're like a cool dude. with that. Yeah,
2: all the guy friends that I have do that. Like Ivan yeah. does that whenever he like talks to another dude. And I'm yeah, like,
0: Whoa. it's a, like <laughs> So it's sort of like done differently. Yeah. But like, I guess that's, that's the argument that I've been reading. Maybe I should post some links to some of these articles, but that's the argument I've been reading. It's just that like, um, why do we call each other girl when men call each other man? And I guess as I'm talking it out, I'm thinking it's like, well, when men do it, it sounds stupid.
2: Well, also, the the <laughs> fact is, like, there's not an equivalent to man that's only one syllable, syllable for women other than, mm-hmm. like, girl or gal, which no
0: one's gonna say. I, I guess I've had people call me lady before. Like, hey, lady. Yeah. yeah. But also, that's, like, that's extra work. It's, like, a whole extra syllable. Yeah, I
3: say girl a lot. I do, too. And I think I'm just realizing now how much exactly, because I didn't know this was a problem. Um, except for in the way that, like, Mary is saying it, like, an older person calling you girl kind of to, like, put you in your place yeah, or something.
1: it's different. I don't even think it's, like, a put in the place thing.
3: I think, like, old Southern ladies do it a lot. But yes. it seems like a way to be, like, I'm older when, in that way. But, um, I say it. I never say it to people I don't know. Yeah. But I always say it to people that do know.
0: <laughs> but I mean, like, I guess that's the difference between man and girl. Yeah.
3: I
2: think it's different also when, like, when the only time it really bothers me is when usually it's a man saying it to a group of women saying, like, the girls, blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, we're yeah. women. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yeah. it's different to say, like, girl as, like, a colloquialism, like, hey, girl, and to say, like... Like uh, to bring up Ivan again, he was talking about this guy he works with who who calls. Oh my god, we get it. You have a boyfriend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, who calls the women at their office girls? And he texted me, and he was like, "This guy keeps calling them girls, and it's that's very madman. Yeah, it's like super uncomfortable, and just sort of like it, it. It's like you're addressing a group of people who are the same age as you, as younger than you, because of their gender."
0: Okay, what about the Ryan Gosling meme? Hey, girl. I like that. Because it's kind of somewhere in between those two things. So
1: that's okay. It's also like... It's Ryan Gosling. Not a specific girl. Now we
0: need to make yeah. a Ryan Gosling meme for, meme for this episode, by the way. So... <laughs> is that
3: the whole reason you asked this question so we can make a ryan gosling meme
0: no i just actually thought of ryan gosling just now that happens to me sometimes
3: this is a very
0: elaborate (laughs) way to just get us to make a meme no i was just curious all right well on that note this is an episode about girls women gingerbread mysterious lands this is an episode about Helen Oyeyemi, I looked it up, that's how you say it. You were right. Helen Oyeyemi's, her newest novel, Gingerbread. And um, so I do have an actual intro question that is more related to the book, and that is, um, you know, introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us about a family recipe of yours, because in this book, gingerbread is a family recipe.
2: Do we have to have made the recipe? No. Okay. I have one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, This is Kelly. I am not a great cook. However, I come from a family of great cooks. Uh, My uncle being one of them. Wow, you're a failure. I'm a huge failure. But everyone should (laughs) know that right off the bat. If there's one thing you should know about me to identify me as different
3: from these other people, I'm a failure.
2: Whatever, you that's have a
3: real job. <laughs> and a boyfriend, as we just learned. Yeah.
2: As lo- <laughs> what? I know I'm not a failure because I have a boyfriend, and that's all that matters. Oh, right. Never mind about
0: the job.
3: Yeah, yeah, girl.
2: <laughs> um, okay, so anyway. Go on, girl. My grandfather was from Macedonia. He was Macedonian. And I say this knowing that I recently took uh, an Ancestry DNA test to go off on a slight tangent – And discovered that I personally have no Macedonian ethnicity in my DNA, even though my cousin took the test also. And she has like 16%, which is roughly what we should have as children of parents. Oh my God, somebody is
0: lying. Somebody got switched at birth
2: because she is the daughter of my mom's twin brother. So, like, me and her should have pretty similar DNA.
0: Oh, my God! Oh my God! Your mom was switched at birth, yeah, or I was Oh, wait, or you were switched at birth? Oh my gosh, I can't the twist. I don't know, you look like
1: your parents, though, yeah, that's
2: true. um, I don't know what the situation is, but saying this, I am technically supposed to be a quarter Macedonian. um anyway, all that is to say, my grandfather was a chef. And then his children took after him and made a lot of his recipes. And one recipe um, is for something called Zelnik, which for some reason my family calls Zelnitsi. I don't know if that's – I was looking it up earlier to make sure that I was, like, saying it right or, like, describing it right. And that – the word Zelnitsi was nowhere to be found. But the dish is technically (laughs) called Zelnit or Zelnik, and it's a – puff pastry like phyllo dough Mm. dish Mm. that is basically just like phyllo dough with stuffed with like cheese and like leeks and onions and uh that's pretty much it it's just like cheese and puff pastry and it's i'm looking at pictures it's delicious it looks great uh my whole family is obsessed with it every time my uncle makes it he like cooks for us every time we go to visit and he'll like bring out this like heaping plate and he like cuts these perfect little rectangles of it and everyone like freaks out and like dives in and then everyone is silent while they eat it and it's just one of those things <laughs> that's like super delicious and that my whole family loves so
3: ah, yay i want to eat it. that has like history to it that is so not how mine's about to be <laughs> go susan um, go go susan go <laughs> Well, I've never taken an ancestry test, first of all. (laughs) It was very disappointing It also has nothing to do with my recipe, though. Um, Okay, so I am really close to my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. And um, growing up, I used to go over to her house for dinner and stay the night a lot. Like, I loved having, like, slumber parties at her house, slumber parties of just me and her. (laughs) But um, (laughs) so I had a couple of, like, favorite things that she made, and one of them – Whereas just these hamburgers that she, like, made, like, on the stovetop. And so, very simple. I don't – I think, like, all it is is just, like, ground beef and some Mrs. Dash. But I was obsessed with these burgers. And so much so that she, like, gave them a special name, like, for us because she always made them for Uh, me. So, mm -hmm. I was the first – grandkid on that side so i was the one that like named our grandmother you know accidentally how like the oldest kid calls her whatever Mm -hmm. so she's mama mama (laughs) obviously my name is susan and uh, so she (laughs) named these burgers mama sue burgers and so she's still like if i'm at home she'll be like hey well you can come over one night for some mama Sues," and like She'll call me now and say, oh, your brother was in town. He came over and we made Mama Sue's. I'm not going to rename them just because he's here. <laughs> you know, like, it's, <laughs> they're always that, like, no matter who's That's eating so them. so cute. So, yeah, Aww. it's adorable. Aww. They're really good. I want one. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll pass because I don't eat meat, but I'm glad you have that.
1: I'm trying to think. Like, it's weird because this is Mary, like, by my the way. family's so split up. So, like, there are recipes I associate with my mom, recipes I associate with my grandma, and recipes I associate with, like, my stepmom and my dad.
0: Well, for the sake of time for this podcast... I'll just, just pick, pick one. one. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I should have been shorter, sorry. This?
0: two of each. No, you're fine.
1: <laughs> Something that's uh, really special is every Thanksgiving and Christmas... My stepmom Connie will make cinnamon rolls from scratch. Mm -hmm. And I know the secret to these is just like a ton of butter. That's really the secret to everything. It really is. (laughs) Every time I try to make them, they just don't come out the same. But it was like more even than the recipe, it's special because the whole family was together. We're not anymore because several people live out of state, but. Like, the whole family would be together, eating these cinnamon rolls, watching a holiday parade. It was just, like, a really nice, like, nice memories of that. And even still, though, you know, nobody, everybody's not together on the holidays anymore, but she'll still make them if I'm home. (laughs) I want that. I want all of this food. Yeah, me too. Well,
0: speaking of my dad, this is Emily. Um... We were talking about my dad earlier, if you forgot. Um, (laughs) This is a recipe that comes from my dad's side of the family. So my grandma made it. I called her grandmama. Um, Wow, are
2: you Anastasia?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Grandmama. (laughs) So my grandmama made it, um, and she passed the recipe down. So um, my dad's younger sister is named Mary, um, and I'm very, very close with her. And growing up, my Aunt Mary was. Um, engaged to um, a man named David. His name is David Surinin. Um, they were engaged for a really long time. So, you know, basically, it was like one of those things where they were engaged so long they were practically married. So he's basically my uncle. Um, and he he died when I was in high school. Um, but I have really fond memories of him. I loved him a lot. And one of the things I remember most fondly about him is making this recipe with him one time when I was a teenager. So it was just, it's just something sort of like my dad's side of the family does. And I will get to explaining what it is in a minute. (laughs) But um, every Christmas, um, my dad makes fruitcake cookies, and um, he gives them to everyone as presents. Um, This is just something like his side of the family does. He's just sort of like taking up the mantle of making them every year for everybody now and like um they are so world famous that my mom's side of the family still asks for them even though my parents aren't together anymore (laughs) they like bridge that gap like i'll come i usually spend christmas with my mom's side of the family just because um they're really intense and uh wouldn't take no for an answer ever <laughs> trust me um, so but i usually like i go to denver and my aunt the first thing she always says is like did you bring your dad's fruitcake cookies like every time so like the fruitcake cookies are a really big part of the family like a like sort of a defining thing for our like holiday season are these fr- fruitcake cookies and uh yeah they're delicious i know that like fruitcake gets a bad rap but these are good so fruitcake's good yeah, so... That sounds good. And anyway, fruitcake is kind of like a good segue into what this book is about, which is gingerbread. Yes, right. Christmas sweets. Huh?
2: Also Mary's right. food. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh. So, um, I'm about to read this uh, summary of the book. Um, but let me just go ahead and say... Uh, this summary is basically just like the first 30 pages of the novel. Uh, so we'll get into like what actually happens after this, if we can figure it out. This was a very bizarre book. Yeah. Um, spoilers ahead. Although like, I don't really know how to spoil this book, to be real. Yeah, it's not like there's yeah. any like... Plot? <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: That's gonna say it. big
2: reveals, but um,
0: <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, all right. Bear with me. So, even though this this is only for the first, like, 30 pages of the book, this summary is a little long. <laughs> All right. I don't know how.
3: They're like, we gotta give them something to hang on to. Yeah.
0: Influenced by the mysterious place Gingerbread holds in classic children's stories, equal parts wholesome and uncanny, from the tantalizing witch's house in Hansel and Gretel, to the man-shaped confection who one day decides to run as fast as he can. Does that have to do with this that book? literally
2: anyway. <laughs> was just the goodreads description per- person being like maybe they'll notice me if i fancy this Talk description up a little
0: <laughs> anyway beloved novelist oh my god <laughs> sorry <laughs> beloved novelist helen oyayemi invites readers into a delightful tale of a surprising family legacy in which the inheritance is a recipe Perdita Lee may appear to be your average British schoolgirl. Harriet Lee may seem just a working mother trying to penetrate the school's social hierarchy. (laughs) Penetrate. But there are signs (laughs) that they might not be as normal as they think they are. For one thing, they share a gold-painted seventh-floor walk-up apartment with some surprisingly verbal vegetation. And then there's the gingerbread they make. Londoners may find themselves able to take or leave it. But it's very popular. Oh, here we go. In Druhastrana?
1: Sure. Yeah. Drew I It's it's close it's the to accent, that. Is that accent? Is it like Drew Hastrana? Sure.
0: That
3: sounds right too. Wow. <laughs> I listened to this. Maybe
2: the narrator said it in multiple ways.
0: Ha, na. Yeah, yeah, maybe just switched she it, said, it up druhastrana. every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the narrator was like the narrator of Game of Thrones and just said it differently every yeah, time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Kelly. I didn't hear that. My bad. Well. Anyway, Drew. I like Drew Hastrana. That just seems to roll off the tongue. Anyway, Drew They're Hastrana is a far away and according to Wikipedia non-existent, we all know Wikipedia knows everything, land of Harriet Lee's early youth. In fact, the world's truest lover of the Lee family gingerbread is Harriet's charismatic childhood friend... Gretel Kercheval, a figure who seems to have had a hand in everything, good or bad, that has happened to Harriet since they met. Decades later, when teenage Perdita sets out to find her mother's long-lost friend, it prompts a new telling of Harriet's story. As the book follows the leaves through encounters with jealousy, ambition, family grudges, work, wealth, and real estate, <laughs> <these> <laughs> things to be the one thing... I mean, it kind of ends on a real estate note, I guess, so... yeah. Um, Gingerbread seems to be the one thing that reliably holds a constant value, endlessly surprising and satisfying. Written with Helen Oyeyemi's in I'm so bad at this word Inmit, inimitable style, inimitable. y'all. Inimitable. Thank inimitable. you. Inimitable. Inimitable, style. inimitable style and imagination. <laughs> it is a true <laughs> feast for
3: the reader.
2: I can only say inimitable if I say inimitable. See? Okay, so I'm not the only one who <laughs> has trouble question. with that
3: word. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is it really a feast
0: for the reader? Let's talk about that.
2: So. Okay. I, it could be a feast. You might
0: not like the way it tastes. Yeah. So It was uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, what happened in this book, y'all? For real. Uh, what happened?
3: I'm gonna let you guys say that,
0: and then I'll... Alright, let's kind of... Let's, okay, <laughs> let's forget about like what it means for now. Set that aside. Let's Whoa. try to like parse through this plot. Okay. So, we start off at the beginning. Uh, As most stories characters. do. As most stories, we start on page one. <laughs> we'll we have... start at the very beginning. <laughs> yes. Why is this so hard? Harriet is mom.
2: Yeah. Perdita is daughter. Perdita is Basically, daughter. Basically, we start out because Harriet... So, it starts out kind of... <laughs> Oh, (laughs) so so harriet and then like (laughs) you know wait hold on no No, it starts out like describing the gingerbread itself so that we get kind of this idea that harriet makes this addictive gingerbread
0: and there's a scene at the beginning where she's like bringing it to like a pta type meeting yeah she's trying to like get parental
3: power association
0: yeah oh whatever (laughs) yeah ppa
2: is it Oh <laughs> um, so she she's trying to get in with the crowd of like parents that are parents of her daughter's friends at school or her daughter's schoolmates' not friends, her daughter doesn't have friends um
0: yeah, they don't they don't really either, yeah,
2: either. they of them have friends. like a very strange um relationship with friendship where neither of them mm-hmm. has friends. It seems like Perdita is kind of this like person who is always kind of like. Not really there as yeah. as the way that it describes her.
0: And we kind of find out later that Harriet's been kind of like saving herself for her childhood friend, Gretel, who mm-hmm. promised to come back when she grew up. But that comes later. Yeah. Anyway.
2: So we... ...are kind of, like, living in Harriet's day-to-day life for a minute. She she does some work for some dude. It's not clear at first, or ever, what her um, line of work is that she's doing for this man. But, like, while she's, like, all involved in work and, and trying to win over the people at the PPA... ...her daughter goes on some class trip. But then it turns out that this class trip isn't really a trip... There, it doesn't exist, and so she realizes that Perdita has tricked her and did, like, a classic teenager, like, I have a school trip, but really I'm just, like,
0: running away to do some bad I shit. I want to make a note here yes. while we're at this moment that I thought was interesting and kind of says a lot about their relationship, kind of, like, hearkening back to the whole, like – They don't have very many friends thing or any friends thing. Um, The school calls her. The the way she finds out that her daughter's on a trip, the school calls her like, hey, she wasn't in school today. And, like, rather than acting surprised, she's just like, oh, yeah, I know. It's fine.
2: Yeah. She's like (laughs) – she, like, lies for her daughter and then is like, where the fuck is she? And then, you know, freaks out trying to find her. Turns out that actually she was in her apartment the whole time, kind of? No. She leaves – How does this happen? I don't know, because, like, I felt like
0: she was at the apartment. Like, where else would she have made the gingerbread?
2: Yeah, like, wasn't, well, because Perdita was at the apartment, but, like, where was Harriet while this was happening? Then Harriet comes home, and she's like, where is my daughter? And can't figure out where Mm -hmm. she is, but Perdita was in her room the whole time?
1: Yeah. It doesn't. I mean. This is,
0: this, like,
2: gets into. maybe she was at work. I don't know. This gets into one of the main issues with this book, is that there is a serious lack of clarity in the way that things are happening and what is even happening because of the way that everything is described. Yes. We'll talk more about it's that later. Dreamlike.
0: Yes. Right now we're just trying to parse out what yeah. happened. So
2: it turns out that Perdita is, has overdosed on poisonous gingerbread in her room. Um, so... Harriet freaks out. They get her to the hospital. Oh, also, their mother... or Harriet's mother, Margot, is a major character. She lives in close proximity to them.
3: Mm-hmm. Not in the apartment mm-hmm. with them,
2: but she's, like, always around. Um, so they all go to the hospital. Perdita is, like, in a coma. They're trying to figure out what happened. She left a note for Harriet, and Harriet takes a note, and she's like, I can't read this right now. I'm going to read it later. Eventually... Perdita wakes up from her coma but she can't really speak very well um, they take her home she's in recovery Harriet is hanging out with Perdita and Perdita's dolls that talk um mm-hmm. and basically Harriet's like what were you trying to do Perdita's like she she doesn't say but Harriet figures out that Perdita was trying to go to a- well Perdita comes back with uh,
0: Gretel's ring oh
2: yeah 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Perdita comes back so with
0: that's how she figures it out. The
2: ring of her childhood best friend. She figures out, oh, she was trying to go to Drew ha- Drew Hastrana. and yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so she's like, "You need to tell me what happened." And Perdita's like, "Well, before I tell you what happened, you have to tell me your whole life story." And
0: and then the doll- the do the dolls tell the story? I believe Harriet tells the story. But the dolls interject. The dolls definitely interject. Yeah, the dolls are
2: hanging out and they're like, just every once in a while, one of the dolls will be like, that doesn't make any sense. Or, you are such a bitch. Or like, other random Mm -hmm. shit
1: doll observations. Or one of them said at one point, I deserve an award for not asking which one of these men is producing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, I also... And then they're like,
2: but wait, which one is? The best part is, like, <laughs> towards the beginning when the dolls um contemplate the idea that they might be fictional, and one of them... Hold on. I just have to read it. I marked it in my book.
0: There are some really good lines in this book. I do want to say that.
2: This is just like. And I wrote some
0: of them down. This is a
2: really great moment of humor, I find. So, okay. Bonnie says they'd all listen to Sago. Those are two of the dolls. If they had any Mm -hmm. sense. What are they going to do if this particular bedtime story has an it-was-all-a-dream interlude that truthfully refers not just to the tale and its teller, but to all those to whom the tale is being told? Suppose we're not even character characters, but figments of another character's imagination. I'd be humiliated, Lollipop bursts out. Humiliated!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
2: That that was hilarious to me. Um... Anyway, at that point, that's <laughs> that's the point at which uh, Harriet's like, okay, let me tell you. Because obviously, or not, maybe not obviously, because I didn't say this yet, uh, but Mary alluded to it. They don't, or Perdita doesn't know who her dad is, and yeah. Harriet won't tell her. Thus begins well. the long story of how Harriet got to join the family of the Kirchivals and mm-hmm. how Perdita was born mm-hmm.
1: most of the novel is that frame narrative yeah
2: and i don't know how much detail we want to get into in describing i mean we can talk about different segments of that later but it starts in her childhood yeah carries into when she moves from drew hastrana <laughs> D- drew hastrana to london yeah. to be with this family of rich people to then mm-hmm. you know having her daughter And then Having
0: unprotected sex with a dude a whole bunch. Yeah.
2: Um, And then after the frame narrative ends, we have, like, this other end segment, sort of, where after, like, a month later or something, after Perdita has healed, they all go to visit. They're, like, buying a house? Yeah, well, yeah, they all go to visit this family (laughs) that they have, you know, that Harriet has cast aside because, you know, she didn't want her daughter to be involved with them. Um, but now her daughter knows who her dad is, so they go to this house and she meets her grandfather. And then they—I ha- just the whole part at the end where they decide to go visit houses because they're suddenly going—it was. Rough. It's just like, what? Why? Why? Like they—they mm-hmm. they basically say like, well. I- Like the family of rich people is like, well, I had a good idea. I, you know, we want to do some good deeds to make up for what assholes we are. So we're going to set up a couple of houses that allow people to live in them as structured families that are not real families, but, you know, formed families. But we choose who the families are. And we're also going to decorate the houses. Hey, Margot, do you want to be the interior designer for these houses? Let's go look at them. And then they go on and then it's like the houses might be haunted, but you don't know. But in order to get the house, you have to stay one night in it. That's the rules.
0: And then they're like we're going to buy this definitely not haunted house. It's just very bizarre.
1: It's the last chunk is completely unnecessary to the story. Yeah. yeah.
0: It
3: makes What story? <laughs> 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 yeah. It <sighs> it was just as unnecessary as some other things, <laughs> too. So, okay, on that note... I'm not fighting for its inclusion, I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, right. I I do want to talk about one part of the middle part of the story that is very important, and that's Gretel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Gretel is Harriet's childhood friend. Uh, she meets Gretel because she... Uh, is she throws gingerbread into the well right uh yeah so she throws gingerbread into the well and it's this really deep well that you know like it's like you drop a she t- she says you can like drop a rock into it and you'll you won't hear it for a while and she's like I wonder if that's because it's really far down or because someone's down there and catches it and then like drops it later um, so we learn that someone is down there because um, she drops gingerbread down in the well, and the person at the bottom of the well is like, "Mmm, this is delicious," and she's like, "What the fuck?" And it's a little girl named Gretel.
2: Yes, I don't know that Gretel has been down there for very long.
0: Yeah, she's been there for like a, a day or something. So, uh, what is the purpose of Gretel? I feel like she's a very symbolic character, but what does she symbolize? Who is she? What's her deal? We had a whole conversation earlier about Gretel that maybe we can get into as well.
1: I think we should definitely put friend in scare quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't actually interact that much. I
2: kind of felt like they were friends in a similar way to the way that in our last book, the child and her caretaker were friends or her baby you know her Mm -hmm. maid were friends where one of them was like we're friends and the other one was like I we're not friends but okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) well I mean Harriet kind of thinks of Gretel as like their best that's her only friend really right so um, and this is you know from Harriet's perspective and again I don't know I guess yeah
2: similar to our last book Harriet is a couple years younger than Gretel and Gretel mm-hmm. kind of takes on this like cool, older girl vibe, and Harriet like aspires to be like her. And also, Harriet is from the country, and Gretel is from the city. Um, mm-hmm. And so she kind of, she's also like you know Harriet is like very poor. more
0: worldly, yeah. yeah,
2: and and Gretel is rich. So it's just kind of she kind of like represents all of the things that Harriet isn't and like thinks maybe she wants to be but eventually realizes maybe not later yeah
1: we know I mean we know Gretel is a kerchival mm-hmm. uh-huh. but then later in the book Gretel says she's actually a changeling well that gets yeah so like reborn. Over and over again she's to like different families.
0: changed after she comes back from the well. So it's like the changeling switch places with the real Gretel? Is that... Because that's what changelings do. Yeah. Right? Hey,
3: this again. is what I was trying to figure out.
0: Unclear. But, no matter but I didn't what, it out she then. does have multiple pupils. And when Harriet points this out to her, she's like, Hmm, that's not right. Oh, well. <laughs> Which Harriet admires a lot, actually. And later on thinks she should be more like that. Yeah. Um, Also of note, which is what we got into talking about earlier before we started recording this podcast. And maybe we can talk about it now. Uh, uh, So Gretel uh, traps another girl in the well. Okay. Here's what happens. Okay.
2: Gretel is hiding from her mom. Again, Mm -hmm. Gretel is. How old do we think these girls are at this point? Unclear. Yeah, probably. Mm. I was imagining that maybe Harriet was like 10 and Gretel was like 12 yeah. or something.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: sure. Okay, so this is a 12-year-old girl who's hiding from her mom. Mm-hmm. Someone fucking sneaks up on her in the darkness and grabs her because there's like a reward out for uh someone to find Gretel because her mom is rich. Yeah. This person grabs her. Gretel like freaks out and – She, like, knocks the person out, thinks that she has killed them, and then pushes them into the well to hide the evidence.
0: Um, yeah, that's fucked up. You know... Is that not
2: fucked up? It's fucked up, but, like, you know, earlier Emily was saying that Gretel is evil.
0: I think she's evil. I don't think she's evil. Especially, like, if she's a changeling and she took the place of the real Gretel, which might have been what happened. Like, she she can, like, change like a changeling that's what that means right
1: i mean then we're getting into like questions of creatures and are certain creatures inherently evil like are changelings inherently evil yeah. I'm just because saying, if you human?
0: leave a little girl for dead at the bottom of the well she thought she might was dead evil. already
1: yeah but- i mean i okay. understand the impulse she- to like hide the evidence
0: she did! I mean, if she knocked her out. Wouldn't you at least be like, oh my god, are you okay? Or something?
2: I think she was knocked out, and she ch- probably tried to wake her up, and she didn't. And I'm she just
0: was... saying, if I knock somebody out, my first reaction is not gonna be oh well, better throw her in the bottom of the well so nobody finds out that I killed her." I mean, if I was
1: 12, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. Okay. Gretel also so, is kind of a sociopath.
3: Yes. If she's not inherently evil, she's like, at the very least devious.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, very devious. She's devious. Minimum.
3: With a penchant for mild evil.
0: Maybe. I'm on on the side of evil here, and I mean, like, I already admitted that half the time I didn't know what was going on in this book, so I'm open to being convinced otherwise. But, like, all signs point to... I read her as, like,
1: mean. I need, like, I would need to see her more. Because she's a lot of the book is sh- she's not actually there. It's just Harriet thinking what Gretel would do. Mm-hmm.
0: Really, I this, like I wasn't sure about that either because sometimes I was like,
2: "Do they have like a know, telepathic know, like, connection?" Or right? Something?
0: She was kind of she was kind of talking about it as if they did actually have a telepathic connection. You know what I mean? Right. So I was like, maybe they do because it either well it's either that or she's just assuming that's what thinking but I guess like because there's so much in this book that's magical I just assumed that that was really happening well yeah
2: that's what I was gonna say is like because anything feasibly could happen in this book yeah. it's hard to tell what is actually happening
0: right very true yeah so actual evil or not not quite sure. I think
2: devious is fair I I'm not saying she's a great person do I think she's evil
0: no okay so maybe we can use gretel as a segue to start talking about like what are the themes of the story what is it trying to say
1: about anything
0: um so the thing that i really pulled out of this is i mean it seems to me like this is a book that is a large part about childhood things that we connect with childhood there's this talk about gingerbread being connected to memories i have a quote about that we can talk about it an hour later but um sort of like gingerbread being connected to this like nostalgic time but it's like not like warm memories it's just like nostalgia i I guess like kind of going back to this um thing in the description of the book where it talks about wholesome and uncanny i think that's kind of like the feeling i think that explains the feeling of this book well it's like wholesome homey but like also kind of like what the fuck's happening like uncomfortable Mm -hmm.
2: this book to me feels like like a dream in the way that when you have a dream sometimes one person will also be another person and you know Mm -hmm. that the person in your dream is like two people at once and you just like know that That's, like, the way this book wants you to think. It wants you to, like, just be in a dream and not, like, not question a single thing that's happening because you just know that it's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But I can't think like that in real life.
0: And that, it was so strange to me because, like, I really, I usually really enjoy weird, magical stuff. Me too. But honestly, the things that I cling to the most in this book were, like, the things that were most real. Like, Mm -hmm. when she was, like, Talking to parents on the phone. I was like, I know what that is. Yeah. You know, like, this makes sense. I Like, this is a reality. Like, I can get behind. But, like, and it, I wrote this on here, like, who is Gretel? Because, like, at the end of the book, Harriet's talking to her daughter. And she's like, wait a minute. Are you Gretel? And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? She, yeah,
2: she's like, well, Gretel's a changeling. And you and Gretel have some similarities. <laughs> and her daughter's, like... I mean, Mom, you need to chill and stop wondering whether or not I'm Gretel. And she doesn't say (laughs) if she's Gretel.
1: (laughs) She basically is like, why does it matter? (laughs) Yeah.
3: Why does it matter? Um, (laughs) Kelly, I think that dream description was, like, really accurate of, like, maybe what is trying to happen. What For me, I felt like it was almost – it was, like, in a place I couldn't fully access or something where Mm – and maybe if you can like get into where it is and just like go along yeah. for the ride which for some reason I couldn't but it was almost like listening to someone else tell me about their dream yeah where you're like, bored. like that's great but like i can't see it so yeah, yeah. i don't know that's how i felt <laughs> no it's <laughs> true like so I'm you, not don't wanna, <laughs> you don't want to question
2: you don't want to listen to other people tell you about their dream that they had unless you were in it
3: yeah no. <laughs> you yeah. know like and yeah. then just or unless the there's like I'm something in. that I can hang on to like yeah. you know and yeah it was like listening to someone tell me almost like a translated dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> where I'm like
0: uh okay I mean or like I don't know if this has ever happened to anyone else but like sometimes right when I wake up from a dream I'm like man that was such a cool dream I'm gonna make a story out of it like I'm gonna write it down and then when I try to write it down I'm like wait this is not a good story at all yeah Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, when you wake up and you try to piece together a dream, you're like, nope, that it made sense while I was sleeping, but now it's like not coming together. Yeah,
2: exactly. Because because there's like two in dreams, there are so many like multiple realities occurring that are all true.
0: Yeah. (sighs) Here we go. What if this entire story is in Gretel's head? And Gretel is just still at the bottom of the well.
2: Well, okay, so who's narrating at the end? Like, it was Gretel telling the story the whole time?
0: Well, yes. Gre- Gretel made up all of these people. <laughs> so, yes.
2: It, it pulls the, like, I'm a person who's been telling you this story the whole time in, like, the last three lines.
1: Just
0: like those dolls said, you yeah. see?
1: I hated that. I, I mean, like, really, the whole last chunk of the book was unnecessary. Like, I... I was on board throughout all of Harriet's story Mm -hmm. that she was telling to Perdita. I enjoyed that. I really think the book is saying some interesting things about childhood, like just reading it from a children's lit perspective. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. There's like a whole part of Harriet's story where Harriet grows up on a farm, like they're basically sharecropping. It sucks. Everyone's malnourished. Everyone's super poor. But as soon as the Kerchevals discover this Lee family gingerbread recipe, they try to capitalize on it by... Uh,
2: Man, I forgot well, one, about that part. It, That's my favorite part. It's
1: one specific Kerchival. Yeah. I can't remember her name. Cleo. Cleo. Cleo Kerchival wants to capitalize on it by getting all the children, all the little girls mm-hmm. from the sharecropping farm to come live somewhere in druhastrana and in in druha city or whatever um to live in a picturesque house dress a certain way and like basically feed gingerbread to customers Mm -hmm. and they're trying to like capture this idealized childhood that Clients can come and experience for a little while. And like, there's some gross stuff. Like, there's some dudes that try to look up their skirts and stuff. But it seems like the goal is to just like present this rustic, Mm -hmm. rural, idealized childhood. But the reality is, all the girls are like eating this disgusting, rotten egg smelling gruel seven times a day to stay rosy cheeks. Yeah.
2: That makes Mm -hmm. them look like plump. plump and
1: healthy. Yeah. And they're all miserable, they don't have any education, they work all the time, like, it's just as miserable, if not more so, than being on the farm. Yeah, they have no options. And then we discover they're not even getting paid. Yeah, they're getting paid fake money. They're getting paid in Monopoly
0: money. Yeah. And they're, too, They're like, too uh, country to realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, like, there's one scene where, like, Harriet goes out with, like, What is it? Her professor or something? And tries to, like, buy stuff
1: with the money? Oh, yeah. she. It's a professor she just, like, really admires and Gretel, and she, like, take him out for tea or something. And she, like, tries
0: to pay, and the woman looks at her weird, and she's like, wait, is this not enough money? Should I put more? And she's like, no, none of this shit is money. It's just, like, paper. Yeah. Yeah, she says, go back and get your real money. And this is another part Kelly and I argued about, because I was like, um... I think Gretel was being a bitch because it seemed to me like she was laughing at um, Harriet for thinking that shit was real money.
2: Okay, I got I got to go back and look at that part in the book because I don't remember her being a bitch about it.
0: Okay, well that's just how I read it. I don't know. I'm But I'm
2: gonna maybe look that
0: back. was Harriet projecting. Okay. Again, this I don't, is I not a hill. don't. This remember. is not a hill that I want to die on. All right. <laughs> I like. That's just Listen, how I read remember- it in the moment. Remember mom to be or
2: whatever. Yeah.
0: This no, Gretel, that is
2: was... Gretel is my mom to be.
0: Oh,
1: I I see what you're saying. While uh while Kelly is looking up that part to <laughs> double check. <laughs> <laughs> um, the gingerbread house section of the book was the strongest and the most cohesive to me. It's weird. It still has a magical realism quality. I agree with you. Because what, but I mean, what even is this gingerbread house? It's like a made cafe for childhood. It's like a tiny yeah.
2: mini like Disney World inside a house. It's like one of Disney World's like, lands or something.
1: Yeah, it's like a themed restaurant yeah. at Disney World. But I think that's the major theme
0: of the story is, like, looking at childhood and saying, like, it's not – like, it's mm-hmm. childhood is a, is a sinister time, you know?
1: Yes. And it's never as good as you remember it to be. Right. I actually wrote – like, while we're
0: talking about that, I wrote down this quote because there's – they're, like, watching a show on television at one point, and the woman on the show is, like, trying to remember her past – Mm-hmm. And they just reflect, um, when the woman figures out her memories, they would disappoint, or, so I don't, I don't know exactly word for word if this is right, but it says something like, when the woman figured out her memories, they would disappoint her. And I was like, I feel like that kind of encapsulates a lot of what this novel is getting at. Yeah, That, like, childhood and memories are not ever the the way we think of them. I don't know.
1: It's... It's so much about childhood and like the weird nostalgia people have for childhood that isn't accurate Mm -hmm. or the, even like more broadly the nostalgia people have for the past when memories aren't trustworthy. And I'm really interested in like memories and dreams and nostalgia. And so all of that stuff was super interesting to me. Yeah. But the whole frame around that story yeah, I was like, "What is what's happening?" Happening. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly, do you
0: find that part?
2: Yeah, I read it back, and you're right; she was being a bitch. However, I still don't think she's evil.
0: <laughs> I was right. Oh <laughs> you were right. man, thank you, Kelly. I you know what? I would have taken it back. Anytime
2: it back. anyone ever tries to tell me that I think I'm always right and I never concede, please, I will record. I'm going to have this. this little part of the podcast to play for them. Be like, look at this time. That I told oh my everyone. God, she Kelly. Right. The
0: whole reason that you did this is so that you could prove to people that you're not <laughs> right all the time. I am Gretel. Do you see? Do you see what you just did? <laughs> oh my God. Um. So moving right along, because I think gingerbread also just like as a food is meant to, whether it does it or not. I think symbolically, it's meant to encapsulate this thing that we're talking about about like nostalgia, but it not being what we think it is. Um, and I will link to the article or we will link to the article in the show notes, but there was a really good review of this book from Vox, um, that helps me kind of think about what this book was about. And one of the things that it talks about is that, um, Helen Oyeyemi has said that this isn't a retelling of Hansel and Gretel. The story is about gingerbread. So this is a two-parter question. And then I added a little 3 parter on the end but let's start with part one so what does it mean to write a story about gingerbread and how does that potentially connect to the themes of the story so i have a quote from the book here it's uh gingerbread is like gnashing on the actual and anatomical heart of somebody who scarred your beloved and thought they'd get away with it that heart ground to ash and shot through with darts of heat salt spice and sulphur syrup, as if honey was measured out, set ablaze, and trickled through the dough along with the
1: liquefied spoon. Okay. What gingerbread is she Here's in? what's up.
3: So, I read that same thing where she said, it's not Hansel and Gretel, it's about gingerbread. Uh-huh. And I, too, out loud, said, what does it mean to be about gingerbread?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm asking.
3: So, but that that quote... I mean that's a quote about gingerbread. That's not like what gingerbread means.
0: Yeah.
3: As a thing. Does this even make sense? This is making me feel crazy. This is how (laughs) the whole time. Like (laughs) that quote doesn't answer the question, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh no, it
0: wasn't meant to. I was just offering it up as like a way to I don't know
3: As like, well here's something about gingerbread. Yeah. That (laughs) sentence is about gingerbread. I don't know what it means to have a story about gingerbread.
2: I think if if we're saying it's about – if she's saying it's about gingerbread and we're saying that gingerbread is something that we think about when we think about fairy tales as, like, a – it's used in Hansel and Gretel and therefore is, like, a quintessential suite of fairy tales. Fairy tales remind us of childhood. So I think, like, gingerbread could represent these different themes in a way. And, like, the the gingerbread in this story in particular is a family recipe passed down from generation to generation. This story is a lot about the connections between generations of families. So I think, like, the way that the gingerbread is used in the story is, like, connecting these themes together, Mm
1: -hmm. which is
2: what makes it about gingerbread, I guess.
1: I would argue it's not about gingerbread, and (laughs) I don't –
0: wow i feel like why. this is
1: debate team time go ahead <laughs>
0: we need buzzers like
1: i don't know why helen Oyemi said that because it's does she not say really about she gingerbread she <laughs> she's it trying is... to make us i mean by, the, by <laughs> the like halfway point of the novel gingerbreads just stopped being mentioned except like oh we ate some gingerbread anyway yeah, Yeah, like it's just a set piece I got real interested
3: in the gingerbread When it was like, we need to make gingerbread chips And I was like
1: Oh,
0: okay, yes
3: Here we go <laughs> And then that Again, during
2: the best part they never, of the book
0: Did they ever make the gingerbread shivs? <laughs> I need follow-up
2: The best part of the book was the gingerbread girl house
0: Yeah Okay, could we argue that thematically This is a retelling of Hansel
1: and Gretel? No No. I don't know how. I was
2: thinking about it a lot. Trying to figure out how.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think thematically, she knew she was, like, gesturing towards Hansel and Gretel. I mean, at the end of the book, when Perdita goes to the Kerchival house, uh, Tamar and, I don't know, her husband, Ambrose, call themselves Hansel and Gretel. No, her her
2: husband is the other A-name one. Whoever her husband She doesn't do it with her husband. She does it with her brother-in-law. He calls himself, Ambrose calls himself Hansel.
1: Two of them. Yeah. (laughs) Whoever they are. Well. Uh, Call themselves Hansel and Gretel as like code names. So Perdita doesn't know who they are, although she figures it out anyway. So, I mean, like, there are definitely gestures towards the fairy tale, but I don't think it's anything like it. Yeah.
0: I think there are gestures to a lot of fairy tale elements. Right. Right. I
1: think one thing
2: is the gingerbread does like kind of serve a similar purpose that it does in the original fairy tale, where it is like it's a lure. It's a lure, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, which leads me to part three of this question, which is why does this bitch put drugs in her gingerbread? It's called mercy
1: leaf. And eh, why wouldn't you? Same reason people put pot in brownies.
2: <laughs> well, they talked about that. The ginger, a lot of the gingerbread is made from like flour that they can't use for anything else. Mm. But then they put in the mercy leaf to kind of like make it so that any problems that a person may encounter from this bad flour <laughs> won't be felt. <laughs> I guess. Wow,
1: you'll feel chill about yeah, it. Yeah. So
2: it's like we're gonna put this in as a, oh, to God. counteract the bad flour.
3: Just smoke some mercy leaf then. Yeah. Here's, Here's cut thing. out The gingerbread middleman.
0: After reading this, I feel like... <laughs> what
3: if the gingerbread man was called the gingerbread middleman? Oh,
2: my <laughs> other favorite part is when she has a portrait of a gingerbread man hanging on... Harriet has this portrait of a gingerbread man, like, hiking in the snow. And Perdita, apparently, as a child, took this portrait to school and earnestly told everyone that it was her father. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um what i was gonna say is that after reading this book i feel like the author does does not like gingerbread really like it kind of makes it seem like she thinks it's gross a little bit i don't know
1: this book made me want to eat gingerbread to the point that i asked jenny to make some
0: yeah and then she made it and we ate it she made
1: them well i hope
0: you guys enjoyed it susan i ate (laughs) you yeah Yeah, fuck you you guys I ate Susan, Mary How was it? Kelly. Mary sent me you a were, photo of herself eating me. <laughs> I know, I was there. <laughs>
3: Why didn't I get an erotic photo like that? <laughs> I ate it too fast, Susan. There's it was absolutely to-
1: erotic. Yeah. yeah, It wasn't. I think my eyes were crossed a little bit. <laughs>
2: um, I think gingerbread is an interesting sweet in some ways because it's a one of those sweets that's not that sweet, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. It's kind
2: of spicy. And that is also kind of, if you want to take it on a very basic level, like thinking about childhood and how gingerbread is like childhood, gingerbread is this sweet thing that we eat and we, you know, build thing build little houses out of and decorate really cute. But it's also something that has these like spicy and sort of unexpected flavors and isn't as sweet mm-hmm. as one might think it would be considering it's a classic dessert Mm-hmm. much like childhood which we think of as being sweet but really is not always as
0: sweet i as don't remember expect. childhood sweetly but uh-uh. not your
3: fault dad i'm glad that you're able to make something out of this because i feel like i'm just like not contributing um now i want gingerbread
1: Thanks, guys. I still have two cookies left. It's hard to
2: make
0: something out of this. I
1: have gingerbread, Todd, and Mary. You
0: haven't eaten gingerbread, Todd, and Mary yet?
1: Nope. What the heck?
0: Nope. All right. As I was reading this, I will say, like, (laughs) yes, I agree. This book was all over the place. It was frustrating. But I definitely had some moments where I was able to sink into the story. And there were some lines that... I liked so much I wrote down. And there were some parts that were genuinely funny. I want to read you my favorite quote from the entire book. And here's just more evidence that Gretel is evil. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) Because what is the name of the girl that she drops in the well? Is it Dottie? (sighs) Who knows? Anyway, the girl that she drops in the well is like where is Gretel? Is she around? And everyone's joking like, oh, why do you want to know where Gretel is? Do you love her? And they like sing a love song to her. And she says, there should be more songs about needing to know where someone is so you can take it easy and not have to think about your kicking leg being out of action. And I was like, (laughs) yes, girl, I know people like that, that I wish I had songs about. That was nice. So I really like that line. Another line that I wrote down that kind of got into like the friendship thing, which maybe we can talk about a little bit more because we haven't really talked about friendship much, um, is early in the book. It's, and, and there was a humorous part attached to this as well, but, um, early in the book, Perdita says, you know, my mother once told me that half of the hatred that springs up between people is rooted in this mistaken belief that there's any human relationship more sacred than friendship. Um, which I thought was an interesting quote. Um, but then also after that, Perdita thinks to herself, like, yeah, my mom didn't say that. Like, I just added, like, my mother once said, because, like, quote, sound better if you say someone else said it. Mm-hmm. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's interesting that she says that because we've we spent a little bit of time talking about how neither of them really have friends. But it's not that they don't value friendship. It seems like they're seeking connections with other people but just can't get there.
1: Maybe the most heartbreaking part in the book for me is a series of scenes where Helen is at work and she tries to go eat lunch with someone else who works where she works and the woman eventually moves and just like doesn't tell her and she was like, I thought we were friends. Aww. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember Am I that. imagining this? No, I remember yeah. that. I don't. <laughs> it was kind of like a... Helen thought they were... Is it, no, Harriet, Harriet? Harriet. Yeah, Helen is the name of the
0: author.
3: Yes. <laughs> I thought Gosh. you were about to say Helen is the narrator, and I was like, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, Harriet thought that they were friends. Yeah. But they weren't friends. Sort of like
0: Harriet thought she was friends with Gretel, and then like Gretel is like... I'm going to come find you when you grow up. And then she's like, okay, I'm grown up. Where are you?
2: Yeah, I think a a big part of this is just, like, Harriet, like, not, like, really understanding how to be friends with people.
0: Or, like, interact with people. How to interact
2: with people in, like, a way that doesn't either scare them off or, like, just make them not notice her.
0: She just keeps bringing her gingerbread to these parent meetings. And everyone's like, "Oh my God, here she comes with her drug gingerbread again. It's crazy, nobody bitch. eat it. It's got drugs in it,
2: yeah, but um, so there's one there's that part which we discussed earlier where towards the end she talks about how she's been waiting her whole life for Gretel to come back and be friends with her and think about all the friendships that didn't happen because I wasn't gonna give myself to anyone other than this one person who I thought of as yeah. my best friend, yeah." That's
1: not how friendship
2: works. No. You can have more than one.
0: Wait, you guys have other friends? No, of course not. Okay, cool. Um
2: <laughs> There's also <laughs> there's also a lot happening about the relationships between mothers and daughters, I think. Oh yeah. Um, which I found interesting, like the stuff between Margot, who's Harriet's mother, and Harriet, and then mm-hmm. Harriet and Perdita. And mm-hmm. I did mark, hold on. I thought Are I you going
0: to talk about the scene where Margot is talking to Harriet about whether or not to have Perdita?
2: Um, I think so, yeah.
0: Okay, then I won't say anything. I'll let you read it. It was sweet.
2: It's the part where she asks her mom if, if she thinks she's a good mother. Mm-hmm. So, Harriet says, can I ask you something, Margot Lee? Go for it. Would you say you're a good mother? Hand over heart, would you say that? Would I say I'm a good mother? But why would I need to be one of those when I've got a daughter like you? Mum? if you get any worse than this, I might not be able to take it anymore. Oh, poor Harriet, so persecuted. But you shouldn't glare at your mother like that. You should be good to your mother while she's still alive to be good to. Listen, just listen a second. When I was younger, my dad was always shouting that things wouldn't go well for me. Just make sure you have a child of your own. Have a child just like you and you'll know how I feel. He loved dishing out curses like that. And obviously that curse was a flop because you... Well, I think it's one of the hardest things in the world to somehow make sure that the ones you love receive your care for them as physical information, as definite as raindrops hitting your palm. Like when you hold out your hand to check if it's raining, and it is. But with you, it's that definite every time that I hold out my hand to check. So just maybe it won't be this child, but at some point, if you do want to give it a go, you should have one just like you, and you'll know how lucky I feel. Mm -hmm. That
3: was the part I was thinking about. Yeah. And it's it's so sweet. sweet.
2: And like – Just reminds me of, like, when your mom tells you that you're a good kid, like, how good that Mm -hmm. feels. Yeah. When does that happen? I don't know. My mom does that a lot. (laughs) She's always – my mom is really sweet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Your mom is sweet. I love your
2: mom. But she'll she'll send me a text, like, I'm so lucky to have a daughter like you. And it's, like, the sweetest shit in the world. And this Mm. reminded me of that. Yeah. So it, like, hit my heart.
0: Yeah, I really I like that part too, and that's the thing about the book. I like, there were little parts like that where I was like, in I was like in the story, and yeah. then it would just go off the rails, and I'd be like, I have fallen off the train. Please come back and get
1: me. Yeah, let's stay in this haunted house overnight and see.
2: I was I was getting like infuriated at the end because mm-hmm. it was so pointless.
3: Yeah, I got really upset. Oh, I'm so so ashamed so to say. <laughs> I eventually got. Not I mean, not rage. <laughs> but I I did get a little ragey. Yeah.
0: It's fine. You're gonna get me back by making me read the Sherry Lapina book, so it's all gonna work out. But
2: Susan will also Oof. be punished <laughs> while reading that, so
3: yeah. we're all
0: gonna just
3: like I feel like we had fun when we hated on that. <laughs> so yeah, we did. I'm trying to relive that. Um, just,
0: just as a closing note before we get on to what's coming up next and all that good well, stuff. Well,
3: we gotta rate this thing. I know, yeah. I
0: know. Okay, yeah, yeah, I get, I'm getting there. Look, I got a plan. I okay. got to try. I just didn't say it. So you gotta have a plan. I got a plan. All girl. right, girl. All right. Da, 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 da. So talking about this Vox article, they wrote, um, and they gave it a just since we're getting into ratings, they gave it a three point five because they do half ratings, I guess. Out of five. Uh huh. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, they said Helen Oyeyemi writes like a feral fairy godmother. Her new book *Gingerbread* is true to form. That was kind of their like opening line. So, feral fairy godmother. How do we feel about that description? Mm, yes, yeah, I think
2: that's fair. I think it. What really frustrated me about this book. Was that there were times when I thought the writing was beautiful and times when I thought the writing was so overwrought, overwrought, and so complicated for no reason? Yeah. Like, it was like, let me think of something and then think of the most difficult and confusing way that I could describe this thing. And then I'm going to mm-hmm. describe it like that.
0: Yeah. I. Okay. Give us so... your rating, Susan.
3: Yeah, I'll just go ahead and read it while I'm talking, but yeah, here's it. how overall this is what I felt. So mm-hmm. in those moments where the language was really beautiful, there were, I mean, there were like moments where I feel like I was reading a great poem mm. and that would go away. And one thing I really hate is a book-length poem. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I wasn't going to be on board even if the whole thing was a great poem. But like... <laughs> In those moments, I thought, I really wish she would write poetry because I could handle that in a short chunk and I can get on board with some weird shit because the language sounds so good. And like, Mm -hmm. that's a Mm -hmm. bigger thing for, you know, poetry, obviously. I felt like, though, even in those moments, I couldn't get fully into it because it was like I was being held at such a distance from the people from the things, and the places, like, it just all the nouns, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: all the nouns of the book.
3: Yeah, I just mm-hmm. felt like I could never, like, quite, like, penetrate. There's that word again. Oh, yeah. The, okay, real quick side note. A- at work, the word penetration gets used a lot. Like... Uh, like market penetration stuff Ooh, like that
0: gave me chill
3: one day in a meeting someone used the phrase meaningful penetration oh, yeah, and I, I was out fucking died I
2: remember <laughs> like, you texting us that
3: okay so there was that then the other day someone said well then that would be double penetrated No, and I was like is no one going to acknowledge that we just <laughs> said Wait, double so penetrated
2: <laughs> did none of them realize what that sounds oh, no! like
3: I don't think anyone heard it. Like, I looked what up and I was hell? like, someone make eye contact with me. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> anyway, and no one did. And I was just like, we're just going to do this.
0: We're just going to let that slide. Yeah, we're just going to keep having a meeting. Like, And on that note, like, what is your rating sorry. of this book? <laughs> you can cut that
3: out. I just wanted to say, I never no, thought no, I could don't cut it out. break through Maybe. like this like barrier between me and the book. And so... There were times I could appreciate the language, and that's nice, but I need more than that. And mm-hmm. I would like to give it a one, but I feel like that's, like, horrible because I gave Super Extra Grande a one for, like, really different reasons. So I'm going to give it a two. Okay.
1: <laughs> I like that the standard is now, was it as bad as Super <laughs> 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 Extra well, like, Or was it I as bad
3: like, as couple next door? I feel like the writing in that and the writing in Couple Next Door are the reasons
0: also, Super Extra Grande and The Couple Next Door were, like, legitimately offensive. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, there's that. And I also just thought the writing was genuinely bad. Like, I don't think this writing is bad. Some of it, it I just think, like, it's, it's not It's just a enough. little feral.
0: It's sterile. Like,
3: yeah, but good writing is not enough to, like, right. take me there. No. So not enough to double penetrate me
1: not enough to penetrate well, the other thing that I think
2: <laughs> makes this book better than books like that is that it has like well not super extra grande that did have original ideas i guess Th- but unlike the couple next door this but book they were has, dumb original ideas they were dumb original <laughs> ideas yeah this book has some really legitimately interesting ideas like the gingerbread girl section like the I enjoyed some of the family dynamics that were happening in the Mm -hmm. Kerchival household and some imagery like, you know, the house that has these rooms that are always switching places and like little things that that were fantastical. But like I understood their place in the story, you know, I enjoyed parts like that. I didn't enjoy it when there's like this vague magical thing happening and I don't even know how to interpret whether or not that's real. But all all that being said, I'm going to give it a three. I think I would probably give it, if I had half stars, a two and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I don't want to understate the fact that I thought this book was really unique and that I wish that this book had been done better. Because, like, (laughs) if this book had been, like, the way that I... It, like, has the elements that I want. It's just... It didn't... Didn't
0: come together. Yeah. I'm I'm just going to jump off of what you said, and, like, I basically gave it the same... I gave it a three, but it's pretty much rounding it up from a two and a half. And the reason I'm giving it... The reason I'm rounding up is because, like, really, there were moments that I loved. Maybe, like, if those had been broken up into, like, little short stories... Yeah. Um. And I hadn't been trying to, like, connect it all together into one big hole that makes sense. I would have enjoyed it more. But, I mean, like, it definitely gave us a lot to talk about, at least. Yeah. So I- I'm pretty proud that I was able to, like, come up with shit to talk about because I was freaking out. Yeah, like, I didn't know. I'm not proud
3: I'm of myself at all. I didn't come up with anything to talk about. Well, it was Emily's <laughs> job, so you don't have to worry
0: about yeah. it. No, <laughs>
3: um, know, but I'm, like, I'm here, and I'm taking up space and time, and it feels like,
0: You're doing you know, great. Uh, <laughs> Mary, what about you? What's your rating?
1: I did. I did the same thing. I gave it a three on Goodreads, but I feel in my heart more of a two and a half. Yeah. Um, just for clarity issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, even for magical realism, there are parts of this book that are just kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was on board and just going with a lot of it, and the parts that I could just go along with, I really enjoyed. But there were. Huge sections I had to just, like, read repeatedly because I just wasn't understanding it. And even after I reread it, I'm still not sure that I understand it. And the end of the book for me was so anticlimactic and disappointing that that honestly changed probably how I felt about it for the worse. But, I mean, that being said, like, I really enjoyed the writing. And I enjoy this genre. And I do want to read... Um, some of Helen Oyeyemi's other stuff I've had White is for Witching on my to-read list forever and just haven't read it so like, this definitely has me excited to read some of her other stuff because I've heard nothing but good things about her and I see I see that I just think that this specific book didn't work I definitely
0: fine. have a copy of White is for Witching if you need to borrow it
1: mm.
0: just saying I, I, I gotta I, read I, Sherry Lapina first yeah
1: oh yeah and all of the Wheel of Time books. That
2: sounds like those books that I used to read as a high schooler that were like Wicca fantasy books. And they were called like, yeah, like blue is for magic. Or no, blue is for nightmares. White is for magic. Like, mm, black why? is for something else. Like, it's like a trilogy. Do you guys ever black read those? Black is for
0: my soul. No. It was like a no. YA. Like Wicca series. Ooh, wow. I read a lot of
2: YA Wicca books.
0: I didn't yeah, even know that, that was a I've thing. I've never read
3: any grade level Wicca book. Any well, you're grade. Out.
0: Um, I watched <laughs> The Craft. Does that count? No, because that's not YA. That's for adults. Oh well, I was definitely YA when I watched it. So. There is a prolonged
3: <laughs> rape scene. I-, I was YA, so it counts. <laughs>
0: Let me preface this by saying you, the listeners, might know by now that we usually read our other sewed feedback on our other sewed episodes and our book episode feedback on our book episodes. But um, because we are having a special birthday episode next time um, and we have some presents to open, uh, we want to make sure we have plenty of time to open those presents nice and slow so you can really get those asmr sounds (laughs) so uh we're gonna read feedback from pet cemetery right now yeah and i know that susan wants to read this first one
3: (laughs) i mean i don't care i was just there when he
0: said it um you can give it the correct inflection then yeah
3: should yeah, I do the accent. speak in his accent? Do that. <laughs> yes, please, please do. Yes,
0: please do. Let's do oh, your best Justin impression. Me. Yes, please do it.
3: This is from Justin in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him, well, I asked him, er, this came out of me asking him if he had feedback for Captain Marvel, and he's like, Oh, I wish you'd ask me sooner because I couldn't think of me right now. But I did <laughs> like it. And I was like, "Well, tell me about pet cemeteries." We had, like just seen it the night before, and he's like, "We should bury it in the pet cemetery and see if it comes back actually scary." <laughs>
1: <laughs> sometimes dead is better, just yeah. And I will say
3: he did text that, but it still sounded that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: because everything you've heard him Aww, talk, it's a- it's the cutest thing in the world. Aww, okay, that's...
0: You have a fiancé, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> get it!
3: Girl, I'm going to keep talking about it. Okay. Girl, we yeah. know you have a
0: fiancé. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jen,
1: fan of the pod. Jen, Jen, our horror movie buddy. What up? Fellow Hufflepuff. The third in the horror movie trio. <laughs> Jen writes in, I love the podcast. Dang. I really enjoy listening to your discussions, and I often use the episodes to determine whether or not I should read a book or watch a movie or television show that I'm on the fence about. In the case of Pet Cemetery, I'm really glad that I waited to hear what y'all had to say. <laughs> to explain, we have to begin with my irrational grudge against Jason <laughs> Clark. Before he played Lewis Creed, he played Eric Prince in Winchester. Gosh, that movie! That, Jen saw that movie with us. It was so bad. All right, anyway, it was so bad. And before that, John Connor in Terminator Genesis, but he was mostly just milk toast in that one. I was really looking forward to Winchester because the Winchester Mystery House is one of my favorite American historic landmarks, and Sarah Winchester is a fascinating historical figure. As Mary and Emily already know, the movie was incredibly disappointing. Emily might have taken just a little teeny tiny nap during that movie. Just saying. Jason Clark's character was the epicenter of everything wrong with the film. (laughs) Winchester took the story of a woman's grief and desperate attempts to cope with her sorrow and guilt, and turned it into a story about jump scares and some random dude who is somehow the chosen one, ghost slayer. It's always a white dude, anyway. Both Sarah Winchester and Helen Mirren deserved better. <laughs> Jason Clark's face, possibly undeservedly, is now forever associated in my mind with deep disappointment. <laughs> When the Pet Cemetery trailer came out, I almost lost all I lost almost all of my interest in the movie when I saw that Jason Clark was the lead. Then I started to second guess myself after seeing too many ads for it. I mean, it wasn't actually all Jason Clark's fault that Winchester was awful. The writers and directors also deserved the blame. Maybe Jason Clark and the Pet Cemetery remake by extension deserved a chance. Also, Church the Cat was adorable. Very true. I almost bought myself a ticket, but then I remembered that y'all were going to have an episode (laughs) on the movie, so I waited. You convinced me to not see it in theaters, and when y'all started dunking on Jason (laughs) Clark, I felt vindicated.
3: You're welcome. He
1: was bad. I tried to defend
0: him, but
1: he's dunkable. I I
0: didn't have a problem with him, but okay. I had a problem with his accent.
3: Jen, Jen, stick with me here. He was bad, okay? (laughs) Justin agreed. He was like, that guy was terrible. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh. I was glad you discussed the movie in relation to the book and the earlier film I actually really don't mind when adaptations make changes from their source material when it's done well you all explained clearly why the changes that were made were less effective and robbed the film of its emotional core this was a very long winded and rambling way to say thank you for saving me some money on a movie ticket I checked the book out from the library instead also Charlie was a wonderful guest Yay. The Pet Cemetery remake might be a disappointment, but your episode was excellent. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, Jen.
2: Thank you, Jen. That was a great, great letter, and I enjoyed every
1: moment of it. I really loved the journey we went on. I love the journey. I love the explanation of why Jason Clark evokes disappointment.
0: (laughs) Thank you for reminding me of that
1: terrible movie, Winchester. I did not. Um, I honestly forget that we saw that movie, and then every now and then Jen will bring it up, and I'm like, oh my god. Like, I repressed it. I'm so, like, it's just so impressive that
0: they were able to make that movie so boring. Because it's about something so interesting. I know. It was such a boring movie. I think I fell asleep during that movie. I definitely fell asleep.
2: When your horror movie is boring, you got a problem. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's not that hard to make a horror movie at least like watchable for yeah. the entirety. But I was like really just like I think it was one of those cases, you know, where I go to a movie and I'm like, I just need a break for a little while. I'm gonna nap. I'll come back later. So I think it was one of those <laughs> I'll situations. <come> back later. <laughs> Yep. I'll pop back in when it gets good. Yeah, no, I do that all the time. If the movie's boring, I'm like... Except it didn't get good when Winchester. <laughs> I know, but I still pop back in just to check, you know.
1: To see the ghosties. Yeah. Anyway, what's on the blog, guys? Well. Y'all. My favorite and yours. Riverdale <sighs> is back this yep. week. Riverdale's back this week. There will be a recap.
2: I have nothing no. else to say about that.
1: Well, I say <laughs> Riverdale's back this week. As of today, April seventeenth. Yes, Riverdale's back. Yes. So Riverdale's back. Survivors still happening, and Todd and I are still recapping that. Yay! It's almost time uh, for
0: Susan and Emily's bachelorette recaps. Mm-hmm. We're almost there. Less than a month.
2: And yes, our yep. our man judgment
0: post. Yeah, we got to do that soon. <laughs> yeah, man impressions. <laughs> it's the best part. Impressions. Yeah. Can we call it that? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. our man-pression. But let me just say this. I've been lazy as hell. I know I gotta write... shame a right shame corner. I gotta, I gotta write my review about the Zac Efron movie I saw. So that's coming up. <laughs> I have things to say. I just, you know, have not had any time to say it. Um, I'm basically failing at everything right now. No, if school not. is over... I feel like I'd be doing a lot better. School takes up a lot of time, guys. And it's time that, like, I don't want to invest in school. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just need to graduate. Anyway.
3: So April's National Poetry Month, and I wrote about some poems that I, are about springtime that I think will make you enjoy some poems if you don't read them very often and also mm-hmm. make you happy about this lovely season we're having unless you're in like chicago and stuff where it's snowing still
1: yeah Hmm. and it's national poetry month so it is hooray they planted
2: tulips and shit outside of my building at work um and they all died oh no (laughs) r.i.p yeah so there's just like these pots of like
1: tulips and all the tulips are like flopped over the side of the pots fun sidebar story susan and i have been doing poem a day but i totally dropped out of it no, <laughs> no you can come back still i dropped out. oh <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> we well, did it for like 10 days so yeah no we did it for 11 days
1: i and i wrote poems for the usual like the poem a day listserv after that that i just kept forgetting to send to you but i said it like i've been telling todd like i just feel like i'm in such a funk and yeah. I've not been happy writing poems this year. Mm-mm. I had
3: a rough couple of days where I was like, I'll catch up and just send a few. And then like I saw that you hadn't sent one either and I was like, maybe we're just going to ghost each other.
1: Wow.
3: <laughs> so <laughs> that's okay. sort of what we did. Well, I'm going <laughs> to No one acknowledged you guys it.
2: next year and I fucking finish what I start bitches. So I will hold you to okay, it.
1: Okay, good.
3: Mm-hmm. It gets rough. One year I wrote an erasure poem of a restaurant menu. Because I was like, there's nothing left to say. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't good, if you're wondering.
1: What else is on the blog? I wrote a post about the new Lorena Bobbitt documentary produced by Jordan Peele. The post is mostly just me saying, I loved it. It's a terrible case that people don't know much about. Yeah, I don't
2: really know anything about it.
1: Basically, like, the perception people have is completely different from what actually happened because the media, like, was so invested in thinking about how horrible it was that a man got his penis cut off, that they ignored the fact that a woman had been, like, systematically raped Mm -hmm. for years.
0: Can you imagine Lorena Bobbitt from here to eternity, her name will be synonymous with dicks. hmm That sucks. It's like dicks just overpower everything, and nobody wants that. It just happens.
1: Also, John Wayne Bobbitt, piece of trash. <laughs> He's been married two more times since Lorena, and both of them have said he abused them. Wait, he lived after his dick got cut off? Yeah,
2: he
0: lived. They reattached a poor career. What? Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's talk about what's next on the podcast, Susan.
3: Yo, 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 yo. We're about to have what is probably a hate episode. It is. I
0: haven't no, heard okay. it,
3: I'm halfway yet, so. through
2: the book, I assure you.
3: Oh, good. It is. So it sounds it's like it's going to be just as <laughs> bad as The Couple Next Door. If you want to <sighs> familiarize yourself with how much we hated The Couple Next Door, you can go back a long time in our available episodes list
0: back when we were fresh and young to our very first
3: hate episode um we are going to now read or listen to another book by the same author which promises to be just as bad if not worse and we're going to talk shit about it so Mm -hmm. if you're into roasting stuff uh or just like hearing other people bitch this is for you
2: and listen if you think we're being mean we are (laughs) <laughs> and if you don't like
0: that, then don't listen to that episode. Yeah, yeah.
3: sometimes you have to shame stuff.
0: If you if, if you wanted to hear fear. us love something, go back and listen to our room episode. And that was our thing. love episode. Yeah. I don't
2: feel bad for Sherry Lapina, who has made probably... It's not even
3: Lapina. There's no I
2: know, thing. but for some reason,
3: that's Why how they it? say
2: it on the audiobook. Is it? Yeah. Hmm.
3: Well, I'm going to say Lapina. So.
1: Yeah, she didn't earn that. I just want to say, in this book, there are acknowledgements before the book, Mm -hmm. where she thanks everyone because it takes so many people to get a thriller printed. And I'm like, this is the most pretentious BS.
0: And also, like, how did it get through this many people and still be crap? Because I swear to
2: God, she like sat down and shat this out.
3: Like I hope we can find some more fun reviews to read, like we did last time. Oh, for <laughs> sure, Sue, nineteen fifty-one, whose username I'll never forget.
2: Oh my God, Sue! You're. I hope you're okay,
3: Sue. I hope you're yeah, back I is hope okay. I hope your back is okay, <laughs> baby girl. We hope your back is okay. Um, and I hope. I hope she wrote a review for this. Like I am. Really excited to find. You
0: should follow her on Goodreads just to see.
1: (laughs) It's for no other reason than to track the story of of her back.
0: Sue, if you're listening to this, Sue, please check in with us. Let us know how your back's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get a massage? Did you see a chiropractor? What happened? She emailed us. She's like a celebrity to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Sue. You can come be a guest on the show if you oh respond, please.
1: Oh, we're also going to open gifts. Yeah, yes. we're oh,
0: open yeah. gifts because it's our two-year birthday. And we thought our that would second be birthday. a
2: good way. Yeah, <laughs> our two-year birthday. I just, I mean, you know, a while ago I had my 27-year birthday. That was good. And <laughs> can't wait for my 28-year birthday. <laughs> Uh, oh, we're gonna open gifts to try to um, put a little positive spin Balance. on the end of what is sure to be a very hateful
1: hour or so of conversation. Yeah. Um, and then, and what's then, the Mary, what's book? the next book? Uh, the next book we were we are reading is an absolutely remarkable thing. It is the debut novel of Hank Green. Ooh. Brother of John Green, the YA novelist, and also one half of the Vlog Vlogbrothers. Um, I have been, I've kind of changed my opinion on John Green, because Todd forced me to actually examine why I hated him. <laughs> but, but, um, I went into an absolutely remarkable thing, thinking it wasn't going to be very good, and I loved it so much that I'm making you all read it so we can talk Yay. about it. That's good,
0: because normally when we pick books, it's just blind, and we don't know if it's gonna be good or not, so at yeah. least we know somebody's gonna like this book.
1: Well, I thought I was gonna gonna pick it and wait to read it, but then I just like I just couldn't wait to read it, and I started reading it and couldn't stop and it has a lot of things I like in it. It is science fiction, but kind of like a weird unexplained science fiction. The main character is a bisexual woman.
3: That's not (laughs) sci-fi.
1: But the main character is a bisexual woman who, like, has relationships with women. And I want to say men, too. It's It's just very, it's very. That's
0: what bisexual means.
1: I know. But, like, a lot of times it's, like, not really explored. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I know. I'm just messing with you. Thank I don't know. It's
1: very, it's very good, though. I like the characters, and I like the plot, and it just really worked for me. It also, it a cool cover. We've had a streak of really cool covers.
3: We're not allowed to pick anything ugly. Sorry, guys. Oh, um, <laughs> we are also about to kick off a giveaway that involves that book. Um, yeah. yeah. Details to come on the 26th. Um, please tune into to our social meds for that. Yeah, can get a
2: free book Good and win. some cool other stuff. stuff. Yeah, it's very some exciting. stuff. Every I'm time I it. see you the title, see an absolutely remarkable thing, I just want to add like on the way to the forum after it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> an absolutely remarkable thing happened yeah, on the way, on to, the the way, the way to the forum. Yeah, <laughs> I was in that play in high school. Really? Yeah, I was a prostitute because all the female characters in that story are prostitutes. Just True. so you know.
2: Awesome. All
0: right.
2: Oh, yeah. I got a, th- a thing to do. That's, Follow no, us. that's Thanks, your totally. thing. Go.
0: Go. Go.
2: Go. Okay. Okay. Follow us at Book Goals on social media, which is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us any feedback you might have about this episode or any other episode at the squad at booksquadgoals.com. You can read all of our wonderful blog posts at bookswaggoals.com slash blog. And if you are so inclined, you could – rate us on iTunes. No, no, you should. You should. should. Please do. I know I say this every time, but like this time, I mean it. I've meant it every time. I have literally begged.
0: I have begged. Every time you (laughs) don't rate and review us, a fairy loses her wings.
2: I have cried. I don't know what else I can do. I
0: don't know what else I can. I am at a loss. Please. (laughs) Please. Every time you don't rate and review us, a kitten forgets how to meow. No! (laughs) That's what you're doing.
2: That is really sad.
0: Yeah, I know.
3: All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.